This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! And welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and serial YTK blogger, XWHU employee. Tonight we're joined by a man who scored over 230 goals in his career and was capped nearly 50 times by his country. That man is Jimmy Queen, and he'll be talking to us about his time in Claret and Blue to include Lou Macari's departure, promotion euphoria, playing golf with Dixie, and being compared to a tree. That's all coming up on tonight's show. Jimmy, it's great to have you on tonight. How are you, mate? I'm great, Dave. Yeah, thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. You joined West Ham in 1989, which must feel like a lifetime ago to you now. Um, <laughs> you were signed by Lou Macari. How did that move come about? And was Macari important, considering that he'd signed you before at Swindon? Well, yes. Um, it's a bit strange, really, Dave, because uh, when I left Swindon, uh, I was leading goal scorer at Swindon. <coughs> And uh, so I think it was around 1984, and I had quite a few clubs after me. And at the time, I, I really wanted to stay at Swindon, but I wasn't offered a new deal uh, for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. Um, 
I, I became a bit miffed with that. So uh, my contract was out, obviously up at the end of June, end of July time, and uh, all of a sudden I had quite a few clubs interested. But I didn't have any contact with uh, Lou Macari. Uh, so I ended up uh, uh, signing for Blackburn Rovers. I spoke to three or four different clubs and uh, I went up to uh, meet Bobby Saxon, who was manager at Blackburn Rovers at the time. Mm. I met him in a motorway calf on the on the M5, in fact. Mm. As, as you did in those days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it was very, it was disappointing really, but um, I didn't have any contact with, with Lou and... Um, I'll tell you how much money I was on at the time. You, you'll fall off your seat. I was on 235 quid, I think, at Swindon at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, to be fair, though, Jimmy, that could probably buy you a house outright in Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, I ended up signing for, for Bobby, who, who came across as a, as a really nice bloke. And uh, I went up there and we had uh, a couple of great years. We... we we just missed out in promotion the first year by a point. And I think the second year we missed out on goal difference. There was only one team went up then, you know. So, um, mm. but we had a, a really good team and some decent players, you know. Um, and then into going into the third, my third year there and last year, um, I went a run of games without scoring, Dave, and I think it was about seven or eight. And the fans started giving me a little bit of stick, you know. Did I? Which you get. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, Bobby Saxon said, listen, uh, uh, Leeds United want you on loan. Billy Bremner was the manager of Leeds United. <clears throat> and I was, um, obviously I still, still had connections at Swindon. My ex-wife, Jackie, was um, who I was with at the time. Um, she was with me and... Uh, all of a sudden, Lou Macari came on the phone and uh, Bobby Saxon said, listen, Swindon are looking to take you back. They've, they've just got promoted uh, into the uh, the old second division and that. Um, would you be interested? And obviously, because my, my ex-wife is from Swindon and that, I had a, a chat with Lou and ended up going back to, uh, to Swindon, yeah. Wow. And what about when you actually came to sign for West Ham? How did that move come about? How did you first hear about it? And tell us a story. Well, I, I was at um, uh, Bradford City and I actually I scored the winning goal against West Ham at uh, Valley Parade. We, we, I think it was the 90th minute or something like that. Um, oh. And we beat West Ham uh, 2-1. Uh, it was a cross come in from the right and uh, Mark, a fella called Mark Leonard flicked it on. I volleyed it straight in the corner. Uh, but obviously, Lou was at West Ham at the time. Uh, didn't think anything of it. It was just obviously a, a great result for, for us, you know. Mm. Be, beating West Ham, one of the, the fancy teams and whatever. Uh, and then a couple of weeks after that, uh, Terry Yorth, who was the manager of Bradford, said, I really got on well with Terry. I really liked him. And uh, Norman Hunter, in fact, was his assistant. Uh, bless him. Um, Two, two great blokes, two great players in the time. Mm. Uh, uh, Terry made me captain of the team and whatever. And then all of a sudden, uh, Terry got me in his office one Friday morning. He said, listen, um, West Ham have come in for you. And I said, uh, well, I don't, I don't really want to go, Terry. I'm, I'm enjoying myself here. I'm, I like playing for you and you've made me captain. I'm scoring a few goals and whatever. 
and he says, uh, no, he says, get, get yourself away, he said, because of uh, a fallen out with the chairman. The chairman at the time was a fellow called Jack Tordoff, who had a big car franchise place up in, up in around Bradford and Leeds, you know. So um, that was that, really. And next, next minute, I went home from that meeting that afternoon, and, and Lou was straight on the phone. So Terry must have uh, rang him and said, listen, give Jim a ring and see and see how you get on. And I said to, I told Lou, I said, listen, Lou, I'm, I'm, I've told Terry, I'm happy here, but he's told me to have a chat with you because um, he, he doesn't think he's going to be here in the next couple of weeks. He's, he's fallen out with the chairman. So anyway, spoke to Lou and Lou sold the club to me. Not that he had to. I knew all about West Ham and how, how big a club it was. And, uh, and, all of a sudden, uh, I started getting excited, thinking about... Um, I was a bit worried about living in London, Dave, to be honest with you, with all the traffic and everything else. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I can understand. Um, I ended up uh, signing at the same time as uh, Trevor Morley and Ian Bishop. He brought in some really good players from the club at the time, even though he was only there a short spell of time. It's uh, often forgotten the actual impact he had long term in terms of the of the signings. So um, you made your debut for the club on the first of January nineteen ninety in a four two win over Barnsley. Um, what was that like, and how did it compare to sort of the other debuts that you'd had in your career? Well, it was uh, disappointingly I didn't score. Um, it was against Barnsley, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we played played really well. There was uh, obviously a few new players in the team and we're still getting used to to one another and you get still getting I was still trying to get like like Ian and Trevor was get getting used to your new teammates like you do, but uh, to obviously to get off to uh, a win and score four goals as well. It was uh, it was fantastic because we it was over the Christmas period, and, and we we were in a hotel for a bit, and you know the don't even remember the old swallow off Junction Sixteen on the M25. That's yeah, where we very well we stayed yeah. and whatever, and um, we we were all in there. In fact, uh, Paul Gascoigne was in the in the hotel because he 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 just signed for Tottenham at the time. And he was he was staying there with that big Jimmy Fatbellies. <laughs> that was a lively, a lively evening then. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, lads. Uh, I got to I got to know him, and uh, in the end, I, when I if I went out anywhere, if, you know, obviously I went training, but if I went out anywhere and I come back in the evening, I had to go in through the kitchens and get the service lift up to the bedrooms because I walked in reception. He'd put he'd, he'd get you over to the bar and he wouldn't let you go to bed. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, it was, I mean, lovely bloke. Don't get me wrong, but he he, he loves a drink. We, well, we all loved the drink in them days. But um, <laughs> I, I just uh, I could, you can't do it all the time when you're training. But he was there every night with that Jimmy Fatbelly. <laughs> As I said, if you walked in reception, Jimmy, get over here. And he got over, and that was it. I said, and I used to say, "Listen, guys, I'll have I'll have one with you, and then I've got to go, mate. I'll have another one." It was all that business. And uh, anyway, you look round; it was two, three o'clock in the morning. You know, <laughs> I tell you what, it, it makes you wonder what sort of a player he would have been if he wasn't boozing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, he was absolutely what a player, what a great mm. player. But uh, yeah, there the, 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 it was a great time. It was very exciting, you know, because I I'd, I'd obviously played at Swindon and played. 
um, played at Blackburn, who were in the, in the same league at the time, um, which were a decent club, but nothing as big as West Ham. And and obviously to to play with the likes of Phil Parks and mm. Alvin Martin and Tony Gale and people people like that, it, it was just it just makes a it makes your your job that much easier when you're playing with uh, quality of that that kind. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Jim, you scored so many goals throughout your career. Do you remember your first one for West Ham? No, I don't actually. <laughs> no, well, if, if we... people, some people remember every goal they score, but I, I don't. You know, I, I, I remember some of them, obviously, but um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember, I remember games more, Dave. Um, mm. There was a lot of lot of decent games we played. I remember the whole city game, seven one, and mm. <laughs> I scored a, I scored a, a goal, a couple of decent goals along the way. Um, yeah, and and probably probably my the only regret I had in my career was that, uh, I. Sh- I shouldn't have really left West Ham when I did because I dropped down two leagues. But it was probably more to do with, uh, you know, Billy, uh, Billy Bonds, who took over from Lou. He, um, he sort of, he didn't, he didn't make it clear, but he, he, I knew that I wasn't sort of like going to be first on the team sheet or whatever. And, uh, and then Ronnie Boyce come to me one day saying, listen, there's a couple of clubs interested in you. Why don't you? Have a chat with him and, and get yourself playing regular because you, you you know you may your first team appearances might be me limited and, and that's why I end up uh, signing for uh, Harry Redknapp at Bournemouth. In fact, so. yeah, ironic, yeah. ironic. Um, I mean, I think if we've got this right, your first goal was against Plymouth, um, and you did score some good goals, Jim. What was your favourite for West Ham? Can you remember? Well, the best I scored a couple of decent ones. I mean, mm. One, one. Well, there's two goals really. One was um, against Stoke City, where Kevin Keane had the ball on the right hand side, and he played it into the edge of the box for Trevor Morley, and he just set me, set it back to me, and I side footed it from around about the 18 yard line into the corner. It was a side foot. Mm. Uh, obviously, it had pace on the ball, but it was it was such a, a good move and a uh, a decent finish that uh, that that's, that that one certainly stands out, you know. Um, mm. uh, and the, and the other one was uh, I scored a fantastic header against Swindon Town at Swindon, which was uh, really important for me because you you always like to score against your your ex club, you know, your old clubs. clubs. Yeah. And uh, 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 what was his name? Stuart. Uh, he played for Arsenal as well. Robson. Robson, Stuart Robson, the ball, the ball's come in from the left, and he he's he's headed the ball, and it's a big looping header, and it's gone it's gone outside the far post, and I was about five yards outside the far post, and I sort of angled my neck back and headed it right into the far corner. I don't know if you you can remember that one. But, I, I, I think I do remember that. Yeah, actually. I do. It's yeah. funny because that was else... uh, uh, I meant to do that, and it it, it, it looks. Um, you know, some people say I was just trying to head it across the box or whatever, but I meant to actually get it in the, the far corner of the net, which... Uh, I, I do remember that. I was yeah. delighted when it it went in, you know. Yeah, it's, of it's actually on. Um, it's actually on YouTube that goal because when I research the questions about the players and the stuff, I always do my sort of research on that, and it's it's on YouTube. It is it is a decent finish. You can tell that you meant it definitely. Yeah, and it's all it's always nice to score against your old club, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned a few names when you joined, you know, in terms of the sort of stature of player that you were that you were joining and playing with at West Ham. Was there any sort of real characters that stood out for you when you joined the club? Like, you know, oh yeah, well. I ended up uh, renting a house out in Billericay, uh, so I used to travel in with uh, Julian Dix. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, we done we done everything together. I taught I taught Julian how to play golf, and he became uh, <laughs> rather a. You're not going to believe we played at Maylin. You know Maylin's golf club. Uh, we're not we're not golfers, Jim. I'll be honest. Oh no, it's just off the M25. So you know, you got the A12, and anyway, he'd never played golf before, and I said, "Come and have a game of golf." And typical Dixie, he was going. Bloody puffs game, you know, and all that. <laughs> I said, come on, we'll get you a set of clubs and let's go and have it. Well, I'll tell you what, I've never seen anything like He was in a fight. I mean, I'm, I play off uh, eight, which is single well, fight. Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm not bad. And he was in a five iron as far as I was driving it. Really? I said, Jim, you're, I said, you're having a laugh here. I said, you played before. He said, I've never, hit, I've never hit a golf ball in my life. And he hadn't. But he was, he was just an absolute natural ball straight you know it was somewhere else yeah, if, it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for his knees he was going to try and um, turn professional at golf as well wasn't he at one point yeah well he, he did he, he, he when he when he packed in football he, he went on some of these satellite tours where you pay so much yourself to to get in the competition i don't think he actually won anything but he, he was like a, a going on the circuit playing um I don't know whether it was in Essex or, or whatever, but he played in quite a few competitions and uh, he, be, he became, I think it was plus one or plus two, um, which is uh, some standard when you when you think probably six months before that, he hadn't even hit a golf ball. Yeah. So, yeah. Imagine, imagine yeah. if he'd played from like being a kid. How good he could have yeah. been, really? Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, I mean, I, people ask me who, who's the best football you've played with and I played obviously for Northern Ireland I played with some great players you know mm -hmm. but I first on the list Julian Dix he could he could literally mm. play anywhere in the park he could play centre half he could play in goal mm. he could <laughs> play left back right back centre forward he could he could shoot with both feet he could edit he was fearless you know what what a great he was just a bit of a screwball wasn't he <laughs> but, um, yeah we we uh he used to, we used to go out after after games on a Saturday. You know, we won. We'd have a few beers, and we'd always end up getting in late. And he'd always uh, tell his wife it was my fault, <laughs> when, when, in fact, when in fact it was his fault. You know, he's a great lad, and I and I was I feel so privileged. You know, you look back at some of the players you play in, you know, through your career and. Some of the players, I mean, we had Liam Brady was there, Chris Hutton, mm. you, mm. you know, Stuart Slater, so, so Ian Bishop, one of the best midfield players you'll see anywhere. You know, the uh, Trevor Morley. Mm. I ended up signing Trevor when I was manager of Reading. Yeah, he was in Norway and he come he come back and he, he played for me and he was he was fantastic. What what a player! It's just, just a mm. privilege. Yeah. A lot of lot of good players, weren't there? Uh, mm. Frank McAvenny was there. McAvenny, what a great bloke. Um, he must he, have got you on the beers at times, Jim, as well, surely. Once or twice. It's <laughs> <laughs> always someone else's fault. I regretted point. it every time. <laughs> hey, what, a, what a great, great fellow, though. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the West Ham fans are, are so lucky. You know, when him and Cotty were playing, you know, I, I yeah. used to love watching West Ham. I, I've never, never been a supporter of, a, of one particular team. 
but you, you look at teams over the years and you, you know your Liverpools and the 70s and that and then obviously West Ham United 1986 some yeah. of the some of the games that they won and the, and the goal I remember watching because uh, I'm a I was a bit of a Chelsea fan when I was a kid and I always remember West Ham playing Chelsea and absolutely tearing him to pieces mm. you know the one I think it was 4-1 was it the game or something like that that's right yeah and uh, Cotty scored and Macca scored and it was uh, and the pitch was awful. That's you know, right, you look yeah. at you look at the quality of player on on those pitches compared to the pitches they play on these days. It, it was incredible, um, incredible team in nineteen eighty six. You're right there, and I, I often think about Alan Devonshire, and he was playing in that game. He scored a, a great goal in that game you're talking about there. And I think, yeah, you know, the way he used to glide past players on a pitch like that, what would he do with the grass today? You know? Oh my god! Well. <laughs> he wouldn't have to work again, that's for sure. He, he'd <laughs> yeah. be one of the top paid players in the country, wouldn't he, Alan? What what a fantastic player. I didn't I didn't actually get to play with Alan. He he he'd gone by the time I'd got there. Um mm. but obviously I'd I'd seen him play and and, and that been uh, absolutely brilliant player. I know he's he's I think he's still managing, isn't he? Somewhere yeah, he is. yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing all right. Um, talking of management, Macari being sacked, how much did the players know about the circumstances behind this dismissal? They didn't know much about it, Dave, but I did because uh, it was he, he, he got done. Uh, he had to leave because he had this massive court case. It was done Winchester Crown Court, uh, which which I had to attend because I, I was playing from it. You won't believe this either. It's, it's a joke. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we had to go and give evidence um, uh, uh, for the trial, and uh, they were saying to me, uh, "Oh, Mr. Quinn, did you get any anything extra on top of what you was in your contract?" And I said, "No, not really." And they said, "Well, Dave, but you, you, I don't know where you know, remember them, Dave Bamber, Chris Kamara." Mm-hmm. There's pe- mm-hmm. people like that, and they were saying, "Oh, they had a car, and they had extra this, extra that." And I, I was leading goal scorer, and I got bugger all. <laughs> so I, wasn't, I wasn't much good as a as a, as a witness, like. But uh, he ended up obviously he didn't get done, Lou, but he, he obviously lost the his West the, the job at West Ham. But the the chairman, a fellow called Brian Hillier, who was a, who was a lovely bloke, um, he ended up doing some time I, th- I think he got it was ever six months for a year and I think, mm. I think it um, I think it affected him that bad I think he died he didn't he didn't last long much after that you know Bram but what mm. what a fantastic um, you know chairman he was he was he was he was one of them that just stood, stayed in the background he didn't want any publicity um, and uh, as I say because of uh, it was legal betting because apparently there were Lou was betting on games and, and whatever. I didn't know anything about all that. You know, I just, uh, I went on the stand and they just asked me, did I know anything about this? That, and, the other? and I said, no. And I didn't, I didn't. But um, the next thing was, uh, went back to West Ham and then uh, that's when uh, Billy was asked to take over. Mm. Did you get... Sorry, X, just, just so, quickly. There's a question I'm, I'm really keen to ask you, and it might be a little bit awkward for you to answer, but, you know, we know a lot of ex-players that played in that period where Lou took over. And I've got to be honest with you, Jim, I don't often hear very nice things about Lou. Um, you probably knew him more than most, but what was your opinion of him on a personal level? Well, I, I think Lou, Lou was, I'll tell you what he was, he was absolutely brilliant at putting the team together. 
tactically, um, he's one of the best I've had. Really? Um, he was all out attack. It wasn't like, let's go and sit back on in this game. It was all about what you did. He didn't really give you too much information on the on the opposition. But if he, if he had a, a weakness or a downfall, it was his man management uh, skills, mm. Dave. Mm, he, he was never one to put his arm around you and all that. He sort of tried to treat everybody the same. And you know as well as I do, the football footballers aren't like that. Every every one of us are different, you know. Mm. Uh, I was um, I was always one of those that probably needed a, a little arm around my shoulder and said, "Come on, you know." If it was going through a tough time, um, but you didn't really get that off off uh, Lou. Uh, one of one of the biggest things I think upset the players at West Ham was because we used to go in, in the morning and we used to have sausage butties and bacon butties and egg butties and all that. And as soon as Lou come in, he stopped all that. <laughs> now these days these days the, the players it's all about nutrition it's all about not drinking it's all about getting the right rest getting this that and the other but in, the, in them days it just wasn't like that you know and that and doing something like that as a manager really didn't hold well for the for him regarding the players it, it sort of upset everybody and then of course when Lou um had to resign, um, and Billy took over. The uh, sausage and bacon bodies were back on the on the menu. <laughs> hey. Hey. Happy, happy days! No, <laughs> the good times are back. Yeah. It'd be frowned upon these days, wouldn't it? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, did you get much of a chance to actually say goodbye to Macario, or was he just no, no, uh, I didn't. Uh, but I, uh, I, I seen him later on, and. Do you know when you, you, you get older and uh, he, he was he was much the same at Swindon, he didn't really talk to you much. Mm. He'd leave you out of the team without explaining why you were left out of the team. Um, he, he didn't really, I, I don't know whether he felt uncomfortable with it all, but he, he was never one of them. He used to, we used to, we hear this one, he used to have a, we used to have a betting shop at the end of the ground at, at Swindon. I bet he loved that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a we had a massive game on the Saturday. I can't remember. It might have been Millwall even, and uh, and we were both up around the top of the league. Anyway, next thing is this little little uh, doorman, who's little baldy fella, coming to change. He said, "Right lads, here's the team for today: Fraser Digby and goal, Colin Calderwood." He's going through the team, and lads are going, "Ah, oh, get out of it!" He says, "No, no, no." Lou sent me in with the team. He says. I've got to tell you the team, you've got to get changed and go out for a warm-up. He was in the bookies, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking. I'm not like, kidding you. I'm not kidding you. That was like, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I love his lack of care for the match. <laughs> and we had, we had a, little, a little fella called Steve Foley, who was a little scouser, right? A fantastic little player. And he was on the bench that day and he was going mental because he, he had been in the team. Of course, Lou left him out of the team without telling him why. And he's going, where is he? Where is he? <laughs> he's saying this to the doorman. The, do the doorman, it was about five foot, the doorman, a little, little baldy <laughs> fella. And uh, Steve Foley's going, where is he? I want to see him and all that. And he, he's in the bookies. He's in the bookies. <laughs> Steve Foley went storming out of the chains and found out why he wasn't in the, the starting 11. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was probably having a few quid on what the starting lineup was going to be. This week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, well, he, he loved his horses and he, he got to know, because of where Swindon was, all the, you know, Lambo and all the gallops and all that, he got to know all the trainers. All the jockeys' noise are massive. Yeah, we in fact we 
we went to stay in a place called uh, Marlow, which is up near London Way, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not far. Yeah, and we 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 had Luton Town in the semi-final of the the old Simod Cup or whatever it was, and we were staying at uh, Waltham Abbey, right? Mm. So we trained this morning. We went into tomorrow. It was a booties in there, <laughs> and who's gone called the lads before we went in the boot? He says, right, lads. He says, I've got three horses here. I've been given. He says, you know, from the trainers and the jockeys and all that. Uh, if you want, and uh, Chris Kamara was a he, he liked a. a a bet on a horse and big Dave Bamber did. Anyway, the, all three of them won. One of them was eight to one. There was uh, one at four to one. The other one was about two to one or something. All three horses. What you can imagine, the white kabuki. Because oh, wow. Bamber and, and Chris Kamara, they used to bet like 200 quid and all that business at the time, which was yeah. a lot of money, you know? Yeah. And uh, the, we won that much. I put my usual 50p on it, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, wiped the bookie out. He couldn't pay everybody out at the end of the day. <laughs> I bet. Twenty-two of us went in the bookies, and we all had these, you know, bet on these three horses, and they all won. And uh, he didn't have enough money to pay. They had to go back the next day to get the the rest of the winnings. Some of the lads, you know. Wow, wow. Um, Billy Bonds came in to the club as manager. I mean, were you excited to work for him? Obviously, a club legend. You, you obviously knew who he was. What was he like in comparison to Lou when um, when he took over? Oh, Billy! Billy was great. I mean, you get what you see with Billy. He's not. He's not. He doesn't get carried away too much if you win. He didn't get carried away if you lost. You know, it was always. Um, you know, he's very well organised. He, he was probably still one of the fittest uh, players at the time. Yeah. <laughs> he used to yeah. do pre-season. He used to go flying past me and <laughs> uh, a few others. Um, yeah, but he was. He he was uh, a lot a lot of admiration. Obviously, I. Uh, I remember watching Billy pick up the. It was at 1980 we won the FA Cup and yeah. uh, he was captain and that. What a great player! And obviously, from from my own point of view, I I'd known Lou, you know, from the Swindon days and whatever, and he brought me into the club. So straight away you're thinking, oh, I hope I'm in Billy's plans and whatever. And and I was to be fair, just at the start, you know, I was. I was in the team and playing. I was scoring a few goals and whatever. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden, I started getting left out, and uh, that probably led to to me leaving in the end, which uh, I shouldn't have done. We got promoted anyway, but um, and, and back into the, the first division. But uh, as I said, it's probably the only regret I've had in football. I should have had another year in my contract. I should have stayed in uh, and fought with that. But that's what you do. I mean that those you, that first season you're at the club. You played 22 games and you scored 13 goals. So that's a very, that's a very good return for a start. Mm. I mean that's a, that's more than a goal every two games. So you know how pleased were you with that record? Were you, did you really feel on top of your game at that point? Yeah, it, it was fun. To, I mean the atmosphere at Upton Park and the fans. You know the chicken run and that. I mean it's it's just uh, it, it's set up for you, as a player. It's set up for you. It's a little bit different at London Stadium because you're a bit further away from the pitch and whatever. But it's all about the atmosphere. It's all about the fans. It's all about the, them getting behind you. And, and, you know, it was just all the attack as well. So, you know, if, you, if you're playing up front for West Ham in those days, you, you're going to get goals and you're playing with quality players that are going to provide you with a service. Um, yeah, I didn't, know, didn't always play well, but I really enjoyed myself and scored a few goals along the way. And, 
as I say, I, would, I just wish I'd have stayed the extra year. But I, I think I scored 23, 24 and 51 matches, whatever it was. Mm. You know, mm. so it wasn't a bad goal-scoring record. No, good. But I would have liked to stay and add a few more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you, you're quite right. You played with some quality players as well. I mean, when you look at some of the, the players that you played with up front, you're looking at Trevor Morley, Frank McAvenny, and then later your uh, Northern Irish teammate Ian Dowie, we had on the show last week, actually. Who was yeah. your favourite partner, Jim? Who did you enjoy playing with most? And who in your oh, opinion, Tre- at West Ham, Trevor, Trevor Morley by a mile. Mm. What's so good Trevor, about him? Yeah. He, he's a very unselfish player. And yeah. You know, he's got such a good. He's a bit like um, he's a bit like Mark Hughes. He's he's so nice off the park, uh, Trevor. Mm. He's such a nice bloke. But on the park, he'll put his head in where people won't put their feet. You know, and he'll mm. he'll fight he'll fight for the team, and he all he always like brings you into play and brings other people into play. He gets a few goals himself. He, he he's just he was just a fantastic play player to play with. Uh, and he he wasn't he wasn't the same height size as me, but most of the teams I played for, I was always a big one, and it was always a small striker, you know. And sometimes mm. that worked. And I but I always scored more goals when I played w- with people like Trevor, who were a little bit bigger, you know, five ten, five eleven, who were strong and held the ball up. Because if you get somebody else holding the ball up and strong, then it sets the play, gets the ball wide, and then you're getting crosses into the box where you can. You can score goals and stuff, but uh, yeah, but that's uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Trevor Morley's the the, the best um, striker I'd play. I mean, I, I would have loved to have played with uh, Frank McAvenny, um in in '86. I know, mm. obviously, Tony was there. He was an absolutely outstanding player, but um, obviously, at the t- at that time, Frank was picking up a lot of injuries. He, I think, he. He had his leg broke or done his ankle or something. He was out for ages and he was trying to come back all the time. So it was very difficult to to judge judge him on that. But um, my my obviously best games I played were were always with Trevor. Mm. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier that memorable seven uh, one win against Hull. Now there, there's two significant things about that game. Firstly, I believe it was Dave your first ever game, wasn't it? That you went it, to it so, was, it was. A, a false hope of how good West Ham were, were was, it, <laughs> was uh, installed into you from the from the first day. And um, something else significant happened in that match, and it was a it was a Steve Potts goal, his <laughs> only goal for the club in like four hundred odd appearances. Um, Collector's item. Yeah, exactly. How how happy was Potsy after the game to to have that guy? I mean, it was a it was a it was an absolute daisy uh, cutter. But like you know, it was a it was still a goal. Was he was he buzzing? Was he was he? Open? Well, I don't know. I don't know what the keeper was doing on that one. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. that was about a daisy cutter. It was like slow motion. But yeah. I mean, what? Hey, I know he's still on the coaching staff at West Ham. What yeah. a great player and what a nice lad as well. Very very quiet. Kept himself to himself. He. He was always like he always tried to do his best. He was always like up there in the in the fitness stakes, and uh, he was just a steady player and a, and a and a nice nice lad as well. They all were. Tim Breaker was there as well, you know. The, yeah. But I remember I remember that game because I mean, what what a, a first game to go to, Dave. That is, oh, you know, not I mean, many, mate. Not many. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't uh, wish for any better than that, could, could you? But can no. you? But, no. And I scored a couple of decent goals in that game. One of, yeah. one of them was um, it's probably one of the best I've scored at West Ham. 
uh, apart from the one I mentioned, um, George Paris crossed it from the left and a side volleyed it straight in the net. And yeah, um, George George will gladly tell you that uh, he made me look a good player. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic game. It was, it was very very windy. I don't really remember, Dave. It was really windy, wasn't it as well? I, I don't really remember the weather that day, if I'm honest. I was so blown away by what I thought was supporting the best team on the planet. I don't think anything else was going in. Yeah. But no, I don't really remember that, Jim. Well, my mate was playing for Hull that day, Dave Ockaday, and he he played right back for, for Hull. Now, just to give you an example, Dave Ockaday is very, very similar to Steve Potts. He'll score like one goal every three seasons or something. And he equalised for Hull. He, he's, he's hit the ball. Ludo was in goal. <laughs> he's hit the ball and it was like somebody put on the slow motion camera and it just kept going and going. It was the wind and it just crept in the corner of the net. I don't know where you remember it, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And that makes sense now. That, that, I looked, o- I looked over it, at Dave, and he, he, he would come running because I was up front, obviously. He'd come running back towards me and he's giving me the fist and all that. <laughs> and I thought, Christ, I... That's like you know, can't believe it. He never. He, I don't think. I, I, th- I think I seen him score one goal at Swindon. I was there, I was there with him about five six years, and but he never he never had a shot. Never mind score. But very very similar to the Potsy, and uh, he he scored in that game as well. <laughs> well, that year we um, we went on a, a memorable cup run, and you contributed to that, Jim, because you you scored against Aldershot in a replay, and then the winner against Crow. Do you think we could have gone all the way that year? Yeah, it was... Um, obviously, we all know what happened in the semi-final. Uh, Tony getting sent off that mm. uh, infamous... I'm not even going to mention his name. Infamous referee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hackett. And, uh, but it was really exciting because I remember watching... Uh, and I, was, I watched it with Dixie, actually. We watched the Liverpool-Everton game. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they had a yeah. replay, That's right. and of course we yeah. we were watching that, waiting to see who we were going to play. Yeah, like them two, and uh, and uh, we ended up with with, with with Everton, didn't we? Getting the Everton game at uh, at Upton Park, which was uh, fantastic in the quarterfinals. But um, mm. yeah, it was uh, it was a great run that year, and scored a couple of goals, and obviously. I, I lived in Crewe like years years before. I played sort of Sunday league football around Crewe and played for some of the local teams and that. So, um, in fact, we were very, very lucky that day, Dave, because Crewe should have been two up at half-time. Um, they played really, really well. They've always played decent football and that, but they mm. missed a couple of really easy chances, I thought, and uh, should have been in the lead. And then I was, I was on the bench, in fact, I think Frank's Frank McAvenny started the game. Frank come off. I went on for him, um, and it was shortly after that that uh, I managed to get the goal. It was a, a long clearance out of the box, and I headed it inside for uh, Kevin Keane, and I just spun out and made my way as quick as I could into the box. And Keane, he's just flicked it between a couple of players and. He flicked it onto my thigh, to be fair, and I just thighed it down and slotted it in the corner. Um, mm. And I was actually back in crew that night because uh, I was I'd planned to come home anyway to see my me, me brother, you know. And uh, I went into this uh, working man club in, in crew, the Crossroad, where we used to play snooker. 
As soon as I walked in the bar, all you could hear was boom. <laughs> 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 and, uh, we're going, what are you doing here? You know, because obviously you watched the game or whatever. Some of them had been to the game, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was good, good to score that goal, yeah. Yeah, so so that cup run obviously um, it finished like you like you mentioned in the semi final against Knott's Forest, and this is where I've got a notorious game because that was my first ever away game. Was well, I say away game was a neutral venue, but that was the first ever non Upton Park game I watched West Ham. So that was a pretty significant game for me to have to have my first at. Um, what you came on as a sub, I believe, in that game against Forest in the semi final. Um, what do you remember about the day, and especially what do you remember about the West Ham fans? The, the the biggest thing with the, obviously you have the sending off and they had a, a young Roy Keane playing for them that day as well if you yeah, can remember that's yeah. right um, the biggest thing were off, was our fans I, I, you just couldn't believe unless you were there I was you were, I, yeah. I was there I mean I, I spent more time watching our fans on the bench than <laughs> I did the, the match it, it, incredible <laughs> they never for one second stop cheering the team and getting behind the team. I couldn't believe it. You just couldn't believe what you... Usually they're throwing bricks at you. you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get off, you know. Get off, Quinn and all that. But uh, it was just incredible. They, the, West, the West Ham fans that day, regardless of the score, were out to have a good time. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, and we... That that made us worse after we we went in the change. I remember going to the changing room after the game, and you've got your head, your head in between your knees, and you think, well, I've let people down. We've not, you know, I mean, not not so much from a personal point of view because I I was on the bench. I only come on for 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was. I think we were three or four down at the time, anyway. But um, uh, the fa- the fans were just incredible, and that that just t- tells you everything about West Ham. You don't. You don't see, unless you've seen that and you've been part of that, you don't really get to understand what uh, support the team team is. You know, I, I've never, I've been to Liverpool a few times and they've got great fans and the, the, the atmosphere there is fantastic. But the West Ham fans, when they get behind the team like they did that day, it was just, it was just outstanding. You just, there's not enough expletives to to say to, to, to give them enough praise to be fair and you know you when you play you, you look at the scoreline at the end of the day 4-0 and you think oh we've got Wallop there but major factor obviously was the, the referee in the season that uh, Gary Crosby you remember him? Yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. little shit I mean everybody everybody that was in that ground knew that he dived he made a meal of it yeah uh, and we just that was all, all right we thought oh Gailey's give a free kick away there next thing the red card comes out and you think where on earth I mean that totally for me watching it and I think some of the other lads were talking after the game it just totally spoiled the game because then mm. what you do as a player and, I, and obviously I wasn't on the pitch at the time when Tony got sent off you focus more on the referee in the season than you do your own game so a lot of it goes to pot, and that and that's human nature. You know, when some somebody makes a decision like that, it upsets you that much that you just you don't produce the goods. And we probably made Nottingham Forest look a lot better than they actually were that day. You know. 
Mm. I mean, more of a positive memory was that we went up that year and uh, on the last day, the fans invaded the pitch and it was such a special occasion. What do you remember from that day? And, and also, you know, was was there an element of, of feeling sad that we'd finished second because of obviously as professionals and competitors, you want to get that top spot and go up as champions or was that irrelevant and you just soaked up the promotion? Yeah, well, to be honest here, if you'd have said at the start of the season, we'll go up second and we'll be promoted back into the top league, you'd settle for that, Dave. You'd you know, that, yeah, of course you would. Um, obviously, you'd like to you'd like to win the, the, the league, but in, in those days, you didn't get anything for it, did you? Mm. I don't, oh, sorry, that's <laughs> the, play, the playoffs you didn't get anything for. You probably yeah. got the yeah. uh, first division trophy you've got. But, uh, yeah, the, the remit, obviously, for a club the size of West Ham, uh, in in that league is to get promotion, or at least at the very least get into uh, to the playoffs. We managed to go up in second place, so uh, for me it was job done. Yes, it would have been nice for the fans to to win the league, obviously, but uh, to get back in, into the the top flight was the, the most important thing. And I think uh, everybody connected with the club, uh, regarding the management and the board and everything else, were were delighted that that happened. Did you go out partying to celebrate, Jim? Of course. Yeah, what was... What was, what was <laughs> we went out partying when we lost, Dave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, but it was part of the culture then. You look, you look yeah. back and... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you something now, and it's, it's funny when you look back. In those two years I was at West Ham, I never played for Northern Ireland, you know. Really? really? I wasn't picked. And looking back... Um, I, I can see why, because we we were uh, like we we trained hard and we played and whatever, but we was all we we're always out having a drink and we used to go on golf days and we'd we'd be out and we'd be on the drink and then of course Mac would be on the scene, come up come on up London, we'll go to string fellas and, and all that. And I'm, I'm nearly I'm nearly sure that uh, Billy Bingham being the international manager, he used to ring around the managers and I'm nearly sure if he rang Billy, and Billy would probably <laughs> say, "Well, yeah, he's all right. He's all right, Jim, but he's always on the pop, you know." <laughs> so uh, I, I can I can understand, but you know I wasn't picked. But for the for the two seasons I, I was there, I wasn't picked once for Northern Ireland, which is. Uh, it's funny. Well, it's funny yeah, so. because the person that set this interview up for us and put us in touch was uh, Andy Gunning, and he was telling me about some of his uh, drinking sessions with you as well. So it does, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it does seem like we, we, we blamed Paul Gascoigne, we blamed Julian Dix. We didn't there see is, him, the splitter. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to say, there is, there is a common denominator of all these drinkings here, and it doesn't appear to be you, Jimmy. But, uh, <laughs> well, to me, I'll let you in this secret. It was either Dixie carrying me or me carrying him on <laughs> and that happened that, that happened on a, a regular basis I can tell you but they were a great bunch of lads I mean we had so you know I, I used to room with Martin Allen I mean yeah. <laughs> yeah, lunatic 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 doesn't come into it mad, mad, they called him mad dog I used to call him pig dog but he was uh, well, we used to have all little nicknames that was a great father great lads great players great characters it was, it was a great time to, to be at the for me to be at the club and obviously I was delighted that the, the team went up the only disappointment was uh, you know thinking that I wasn't going to play I went uh, I dropped down two leagues to, to play for uh uh, Harry Redknapp, but he's very persuasive. Uh, Harry, I went. I went. Uh, just tell you quickly what happened. I went down mm. to speak to him, and to be honest with you, I wasn't going to leave. I, I wasn't sure what to do, you know, because West Ham's 
a massive club, isn't it? You know, when you're dropping mm. down two leagues. And uh, so I've had, a, I've had a chat with him. He said, listen, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I'm not sure. I'll have a think about that and, and all that. He says, well, you'd be in my team and you'd be playing regular, blah, blah. And I said, listen, uh, I'll have a think about it for a few days. I'll get back to you. He says, no, no, no. He says, uh, phone your wife up. Get her down here. Go and stay in the Royal Bath for a few days. He said, put whatever you want on the bill. The Royal Bath at the time was a five-star down on the seafront there in Bournemouth, you know. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. So I phoned the missus up. I said, hey, get down here. Get the train down. I said, I'll pick you up and uh, we'll stay in the Royal Bath, you know. We've got uh, everything, all the, all the food and the drink and everything and all that. She was down within about two hours, I think, my missus. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I stayed down and on the Monday I went to speak to him and uh, I just decided, I thought, well, he's desperate to, to have me in, which is always nice for a player when the manager's desperate for you to, to sign. And obviously I was his player and uh, I, had a, I had a good time. I was leading goal scorer there and Harry, Harry was a, you know, a decent manager and we had some good players. Well, Jimmy Case at the time, remember Jimmy played for Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin, yeah. big Kevin Bond, we had Ifan Akuku. Mm. We had some good players, you know. We, 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 we used to go and beat a lot of the big teams at, at that level. The Birmingham's and Stoke Cities, we used to go there and play them off the park and that. So I was back playing football regular, but uh, it wasn't long after that that I thought, well, I should have stayed at West Ham. I should have mm. seen my contract out, got a few games and maybe scored a few more goals, yeah. Do you know what, though? That's, that's really clever of Harry. Because Bournemouth's a very nice area. And I think when you tell someone, I'll bring the wife down and, and spend a couple of days here, you, he must have known that your wife, after those couple of days, would have gone, do you know what, Jim? I can see your life down here. This is lovely. Yeah. Well, she did. She said, we, we, we used to, when I, when I played at Swindon, we used to go to Bournemouth for weekends. She always loved it, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. So to tell her, to pick the phone up and say, oh, by the way, we've got a couple of days in the Saturday, Sunday Sunday night in the in the Royal Bath, the best hotel in Bournemouth at the time, and all that. Of course, you couldn't wait to get down the, down the place. <laughs> Do you ever keep in touch with um, the West Ham? Any of the West Ham players? You know, you still see any of them? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I do. I'm an ambassador. I don't do all the games. I do a few. I, I, I do as many as I can because I'm up here in Cheshire. Mm. Uh, so I get to see all the lads, and it's it's it, they're great, great lads, you know. And we have a great time with the fans. We. Obviously, they don't get to see the players of today much because of social media, yeah. you know, taking pictures, this, that and the other. So yeah. there's about eight lounges there at the London Stadium. We all, there's three or four of us in each lounge and we go around, we have a chat to people and, and they love it. They, mm. they love speaking mm. to the, the players and, you know, we, we have a chat about when we played. And uh, in fact, we're, the, one of the games last year, I think it was, it might have been the Tottenham game at home. Mm. Not last year, year before, sorry. And uh, I was doing the executive boxes and I went in the last box that I had to go in that was number one. And uh, I walked through the door and all I heard was, Jimmy Quinn. <laughs> it was uh, Ray Winston. Hey. <laughs> uh, Ray Winston. I said, Christ, because right? I look a lot different now. Than I, could. I used to have a bit of hair when I played. I've got my hair now. But, <laughs> and uh, I said, Ray, I, I didn't even think you recognise me. Oh, no. And he says, come over here. And he, he got his phone out and he threw his phone to his mate. He said, yeah, get a picture of me and Jim. <laughs> Ray <laughs> Winston's like, you know, his arms around each other and he's took a picture of us. It's a fantastic blow. 
that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. absolutely. What do, what do you think of London Stadium, Jim? Well, it it grows on you, Dave. Mm. When I first went there, I thought, Christ, that's especially the the main stand size, too far away from the pitch. Mm. But the, the, you know, don't forget, you, you've got sixty thousand fans there nearly every home game, mm. and. Once they get cheering, it's the, the atmosphere is fantastic. Again, they could do with bringing that side of the pitch in a little bit closer so it creates a better atmosphere. But I think it, it grow, it's grown on me, certainly, and I, I'm, I'm nearly sure it's grown on some of a lot of the fans, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, you know it's a home now. Nobody wanted to leave Upton Park. You can understand that. The atmosphere there was just the best place I've played atmosphere-wise as a, as a footballer. It was just incredible. It must have been that intimidating for opposing teams to to try and get anything out of uh, out of Upton Park. That's for sure. But uh, you know, time's a great healer. As much as everyone misses misses the bowling ground, uh, I think it's uh, it's beginning to grow on people. Mm. So, so when you left uh, West Ham and you obviously went to Bournemouth and then later on you became a player manager at Reading, um, how, how difficult was it to be a player manager? Because that seems to have been you know, a position that was quite common when you were appointed as it and now you don't really hear of that at all really anymore. Um, is it tough to be both? It, yes, it is. I mean, I, I left Bournemouth and I went to Reading just as a player. I was, I was 34, mm. 33, 34. And uh, I scored 25 goals in the first season. In the second season, I scored uh, 40, mm. 40 goals. The interesting thing about uh, this will wow. make you laugh, because the, the, the chicken one used to call me Jimmy the Tree, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, used to, I used to think uh, early doors, uh, oh, it's because I'm big and strong. No, obviously, <laughs> they said I was rooted to the spot. <laughs> anyway, when I, went to, <laughs> when I went to Reading... And I scored all them goals. That season, I scored, I scored 40 goals for Reading. I scored four international goals that year. Uh, and I got International Sports Writer Player of the Year and all that for Northern Ireland. Wow. Um, which I'm, I was obviously uh, honoured to get. Uh, but there's a, there was a guy at Reading after one... It was near one of the last games of the season. I'd bind all these goals in. And this bloke says, Oh, Jimmy, here, he's called me over. This is after the match. Called me over, he goes, oh, let me shake your hand. He says, uh, oh, by the way, he says, uh, I'm a West Ham fan as well. He said, I'll tell you something now, he said, I've never seen a tree score that many goals. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> That's what he said to me. I was laughing my head off. <laughs> yeah. I've I knew, never I seen knew... a tree score that many goals. <laughs> nearly fell I... over laughing. It was great. I nearly put that in as one of the questions, actually, about the tree, but I wasn't sure how you'd feel about <laughs> yeah. it. But obviously, obviously yeah. you've grown to find the name affectionate now, so that's all good. <laughs> yeah. um, Jim, I think you played till you were 46. Which is well, one, I, I one sort of, of an age. <laughs> Dave, I sort of mocked about with it. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I was one of them. It, was, it wasn't about money when I played, you know. Um, I just loved playing football. And that, that's probably the main reason I left West Ham. Because I wasn't sure whether I was going to play regular. And I just wanted to play football, you know. Um, mm. uh, getting the, the other's first team it was and, and go out and play my trade. Um, you can, you're not really remembered much if you if you sat and you're getting splinters on your backside on the bench all the time. So yeah, yeah, I, ju- I just love playing football, and I, I played as long. I played at uh, Shrewsbury when we they got relegated out of the league, and I I took over as manager, 
And uh, we had a lot of injuries, particularly halfway through the season. I ended up playing about eight games. Or so. I scored, I scored a few goals. I scored four or five goals, I think. But uh, I was uh, I was forty odd then. Wow! So uh, and a young Joe Hart, I just signed professional. Was in uh, uh, I I gave him his debut actually at uh, Morecambe. Really? Yeah, yeah, Joe Hart. Yeah, there's there's only two two lads that we we kept on that year. My first year at Shrewsbury was uh, Joe Hart and David Edwards, who uh, David Edwards I think's at Reading now, but he. He went. He had a decent career at Wolves and That's stuff. That's right. I remember him. Yeah, yeah they were two we, we kept on, and then uh, uh, Derek Frizzackley, who I played with the Blackburn Rovers, he was at Manchester City with Stuart Pearce at the time, and he he rang me up. He said, "What about this uh, young keeper you've got?" And I said, "Well, Faz, I'm not being funny, mate. You better get your, you know, um, you better if you're going to do anything, you better do it quickly because there's about half a dozen clubs." Clubs are here, here watching him nearly every every game he plays, whether it's the reserves or the uh, in the first team. And uh, it was just shortly after that. I left Shrewsbury, in fact, and it was about two weeks after that that Joe signed for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Eventually wow. ended up at West Ham as well. Eventually, mm. um, yeah. so the key is to keep uh, to go um, drinking with Paul Gascoigne to play to the <laughs> age of forty-six. By the sounds of it, <laughs> you know, that's where that's yeah, where keep the, drinking, lads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> know, a, yeah. These modern footballers have got it wrong. Um, so you <laughs> yeah. played like like you said, you played for many clubs. You've also managed a few as well. Um, where did West Ham rank in comparison to all these clubs that you've played for? Oh, it's the best club. Best club that uh, I've played for. There's, there's no doubt about that. There's, uh, it was as I say. We, you, you just got to look at the players that I played with. Um, I played with some decent players at, at other clubs, but uh, not as many. Um, when you've got like a whole squad full of quality, like you, you do it. Uh, we did at West Ham. It's. Uh, I mean, there, there was four or five. There was Leroy was senior. There was a young striker there as well. There was. Frank McAvenny, there was me, there was uh, Trevor Morley. Uh, you had to, you had to produce the goods. You had to play well. You had to score goals to, to, to get into the team or to stay in the team. Mm. Um, at other clubs I've been at, there's probably two main strikers and a couple of young lads uh, as backups, but not not the same quality in the squad. And um, I scored a lot of goals at Reading, um, mm. and. The the, first, the season we won the 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 old uh, third division as it was, we we done that with sixteen players. Blimey! You know, we, wow. we, every half a dozen of us, were, me included, we were playing with injuries all the time. You know, you were just yeah. forever getting treatment, just getting ready to to play matches and and stuff. But that's the way it was then. It's oh, it's, it's a whole lot different now with all the uh, sports science and everything else and uh, and that. But uh, yeah, West West Ham without a shadow of a doubt. It's the best club I've been at. What are you up to these days, Jim? I'm a truck driver, believe it or not. Are you really? Yeah, I managed for about 15 years when I when I eventually stopped playing. And I took three teams to playoff finals. Uh, I took Reading, uh, Shrewsbury and Cambridge United. Uh, and uh, I, didn't I, took that. Them, I took over them all when they were struggling down near the bottom of the league. Um, Apart from Reading, Reading, uh, Mark McGee left and went to Leicester City and took all his staff and they put uh, myself and Mick Good in, in charge at Reading and we ended up getting the job and that. But 
But the biggest thing I, I, I found very, very difficult, Dave, was uh, working with boards and that, you know, when they're asking mm. you questions. I mean, I, there's no way on... I, I admire anybody that, that, that manages West Ham dealing with uh, <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the, some of the board there. You know, that's, that's yeah. just... Uh, it's so difficult because, uh, you know, you, you, you're talking in football terms to people that probably haven't kicked the ball and stuff. And that, that's where I found it very, very difficult. I, I never had a, f- a problem with fans, you know, uh, you know, talking to fans or, you know, uh, players or, or anything else. But it was just, uh, I just found it difficult working uh, with boards, you know, because... Uh, even on even when they're not giving you the right sort of budget to work with, they're still expected to perform miracles and mm. win games of football and win win leagues and everything else. You know. Mm, mm. Would you consider going back into football, but maybe on the coaching side, scouting side, or are you done with the sport now? No, no. I've been I've been asked recently. A uh, mate of mine, uh, Tommy Wright, uh, has asked me to do a bit of scouting. He's manager of St Johnson up in Scotland. He wants to sort of widen his net down down into England and that. So I'll probably go and see a few games for, for him. But uh, I've, I've done my, my stint in football. I wouldn't... Uh, what people don't realise, Dave, is when you get into the management and coaching side, it's 24 hours a day. And it's every day. You don't get a, a rest, you know. When I was manager, you, even at Shrewsbury and Cambridge level, you get an agent ringing you at 12 o'clock on a Sunday night and stuff, you know. Both players... It, and you, you've got to deal with the media, you've got to deal with the board, and then you, you, you've got to make sure that you, you've got a good uh, relationship with your fan base, and uh, then you've got to meet your sponsors, and it's just, it's just never ending. It's just it's too much work for one man. I, I you know I, I I've always said that that uh, the amount of work that a manager's got to do, and on top of all that, you're supposed to win leagues and uh, win foot games of football and trophies and whatever it's uh it's just it's just too much i'm uh i'm much more content now i just go in only only work four days a week i do a bit of driving and enjoy doing that and enjoy going to the west ham games mm. uh, i go back to some of my other clubs now and again when i'm asked you know they're always uh reading are always asking me back um and I, and I really enjoy going to meet people and it's nice on the odd occasion when when uh, somebody comes up to you and I had a guy at Reading that went back with Mickey Good and we'd done this question and answer thing. And I had a guy who was about the same age as me and he was nearly crying. He goes, oh, Jimmy's the best striker I've ever seen at Reading. Now, that's a compliment indeed because Reading have been in the Premier League two or three times since I've played there, you know? Yeah, yeah. This guy was nearly in tears. Like, so he couldn't, you know, he was having pictures with me, getting me to sign this, that, and the other. And uh, he was just beside himself at... Uh, and I spent a bit of time, you know, chatting to him, and uh, it was it was really nice. Yeah, X gets the same when uh, he does our events, don't you, X? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite know what to say. You know, it's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jim, that was an absolute pleasure, mate. I hope you enjoyed yeah, it as much brilliant. as we did. Oh, it's fantastic. Thank, thanks, lads. I really enjoyed that. Brilliant. And, and you, mate. honestly, mate, from a fan's perspective, thanks for the memories, Jim, as well. Thank you. Jimmy Quinn there, what a top fella. And I'll tell you what, X, he was a good player for us, quite underrated, I think. 
Yeah, I think he was. And if you look at his goals to game ratio, it shows that he was a really decent striker for us. And I, I think it was quite a, a shame, really, that he didn't get, like, A, that he joined when he was 30. And maybe, you know, if he'd been a bit younger, we would have got, although he did go on to his 46, but, uh, you know, we've got to make it a few more years out of him. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, like, like he said, he just had other players around at the time, which were, you know, in a strong competition. But, yeah, a very good finisher. And you just have to look across his career. Uh, yes, he's had a lot of clubs, but wherever he went, he scored a lot of goals. He did, he did actually. Yeah, I think he, he scored close to two hundred and fifty goals in his career, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I was re- I was reading about him earlier, obviously to do the questions and stuff, and and, and his total is huge. I mean, he was talked about his time at um, Reading there, and he's and you know he is known as a as a legend there. Like, I've just brought up his Wikipedia page. I mean, you know, he he started at Swindon, then Blackburn. His next spot Swindon, he scored thirty goals in sixty four games. Blimey. Not, not so prolific for Leicester, but then 14 in 35 for Bradford, 18 in 47 for West Ham, 19 in 43 for Bournemouth, 71 in 182 for Reading. And even in 97, 98, he played for Peterborough. He scored 25 goals in 49 games for them. And looking at that, 1998, he would have been, yeah, about 37, 38 at the time. He's still banging them in. Blimey, yeah, he was a good finisher, Jim, like you're saying, I've, I've got some good memories of him, and yeah. uh, really nice fella, really nice yeah, fella. really good, yeah. Since the last podcast, the FA have decided to carry the season on, how do you feel about that? Uh, nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I must admit, I've quite, it sounds awful, but I've quite enjoyed the break, to be honest with you, mm. like, I've enjoyed the fact that there's the pressure of being an ITK, so to speak, is, is obviously nowhere near the same now. Um, I like the fact that, um, you know, you haven't got West Ham ruining your weekends and stuff like that. <laughs> you, like that you always do. Um, yeah. so I actually quite enjoyed the break, which has made me question, <laughs> should I really even like football? When I'm, uh, <laughs> it's too late for that now. But um, yeah, I'm nervous. I do think... We might play better, though, randomly, without the crowd there. I've just got this feeling, people like Anderson, Alaire, Lanzini, maybe, where the fans have been on, on their back a little bit, and, you know, the big money signings or the, you know, the big players, so to speak. I think, um, I think they could play better. So I'm hopeful that we might be okay. I mean, what do you think? I think you make a really interesting point there and it's one that I didn't think about is how players will react to probably what's fair to say lack of pressure because yeah. it's like you say you know West Ham fans especially if, if you're not performing you're going to know about it and especially in this day and age when there's 60,000 of us so um, yeah I, I mean I, I'm a bit gutted the season's back if I'm honest um, number one I don't think it should have been morally back yeah. Um, and number two, because I'm, I'm shooting myself a little bit, you know, it's, yeah. it's been a poor season for West Ham and, and I don't think we're out of trouble by a long stretch. And you look at the games we've got left, there are some massive, massive games for us. And I don't know, I, like you, I still feel a little bit nervous and I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure about it, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, what would be funny, it would be typical West Ham, wouldn't it? I mean, that we'd probably play, I mean, obviously anything can happen with us, but let's just say we play amazing and, you know, got a really brilliant run. And will we like, can we play without fans every week? You know, being so <laughs> typical that we'd uh, you know, it'd actually be really good in a scenario where we're unlikely to be able to repeat it again. So, you know, but uh, to be honest, we, we, we've just got to stay up. And I, I think... 
people like Declan Rice, especially um, obviously Noble, people like that have really got a big part to play now. We really need them to just to get the other players up for this and, and really motivated to, to stay up because if if we go down, I, I just don't even think about that really. But um, I think I do believe that certainly, like when I think of Lanzini and Anderson, who have been underperforming have had a lot of expectations same for Alaire to not have that fan pressure it's kind of almost like a, a friendly game in a way you know no no fans mm. there and so on um I'd, I'd like to see how they get on I'm hoping that they might actually play a bit better but we yeah I think the biggest thing for me is their motivation yeah uh, same for every club but you know, I think you've got too many players out there, like I've said before, that are just picking up a wage packet and is their heart in this fight? Do they want to play for the badge, whether there's a crowd or not? I do think you made a good point about the psychological profile with some of these players. Anderson, Hilaire and Lanzini are the three that stand out for me. And I think it could benefit them to not play in front of a crowd. I get that 100%. But I don't know. Are they up for it? Are they motivated? Are they taking their foot off the gas? You know, I, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but has anyone returned overweight, for example? Um, no, I actually think they've done the opposite. Apparently they've turned, um, you know, returned fighting and look, uh, fit, looking ready for action, up for it. I mean, if you look at some of the photos, I think some of them, I think Rice looks more built. I think Alaire looks more trimmer. I think um, Diop looks more trimmer. So I think... Actually, probably do quite, uh, probably have, you know, come back in a better state than other clubs is my hope. And obviously Moyes is very much on the sort of fitness side of things. Um, apparently they're all in good spirits. Apparently they um, are looking forward to sort of hopefully keeping West Ham up and stuff. But I think what's interesting as well, if you take like, you know, we've got a fixture Norwich away. Now I think Norwich away with them fighting for their lives as well. They've got a passionate home base. It'll actually be a tricky fixture. But now, if it's played at Carrow Road mm. or a new, neutral venue, I don't think it is. It shouldn't be as tricky now. So it may it may have helped us a little bit in that respect as well. Um, but mm. it's just really hard to predict, isn't it? And, you know, there would be a real feeling of, like, injustice if West Ham do get relegated and then haven't been able to play in front of fans for that period because you would always, in the back of your mind, question how much of an impact that had. So I just think for the sake of our sanity and the fact that West Ham, you know, with Tevez and other examples, Manny Oimiimi, where we've had these dilemmas as to, you know, what-if scenarios, I just don't want to be in one of those again. And I just want to make sure we stay up and we don't have to think about it. Yeah, because like you rightfully say, it's incomprehensible to think about us going down. That stadium in that division will become a fucking laughing stock. And the, the thing that worries me, and I can't get past this, is why we are where we are. You know, there are Premier League clubs who are, you know, at the weaker side of the division, and some of the teams are where they should be. But West Ham are where we shouldn't be. And this is what worries me a little bit. What is the root cause of the problem? Why are we struggling with the squad of players that we've got? And, uh, you know, I hear it all the time about, yeah, the players are looking good and they're up for it, they're training well. When you get all this media-friendly fluff come out from Mark Noble and David Moyes that the boys are together and we're ready to go. But it's all bollocks, you know, because if that's the case, why have you spent 30 games of the season underperforming? 
when you've been telling us all this in the run-up to those games. So really, you know, you can listen to the hype and look at the pictures in training and look at what West Ham are doing on social media. But it's what, what really counts is when you cross that white line. And that's what matters. And that's when we're going to see who wants to be at this football club and who wants to fight. Um, and it's just going to be interesting in these times to see how people are going to psychologically deal with that. No fans, coronavirus contact, you know, the fact that there's no fans, but it will be televised. Um, I don't know. You look at it and I think it's going to be a real test of character. And have we got enough of them? Yeah, it's really hard to say, isn't it? I mean, I think I do believe Mark Noble and Declan Rice are very important to this. Um, Mm. I think if they perform not just in terms of their actual football, but in terms of their you know, motivation and their spirit and things like that, then I think it will have a, a knock-on effect on the others. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, think, I, I think we should just have enough to stay up. But it is just so hard to predict because, you know, you just don't know how much a, a crowd does affect a performance. Mm. You, know, you could, you could, technically, some of the bigger teams like, you know, Liverpool not playing in front of Anfield, although I think their atmosphere is overrated. Um, Newcastle, Manchester United, teams like that, that are playing in front of big crowds. Do Does that big crowd, how much of an impact does it have? You know, mm. we, we could see the league become a bit more um, balanced now because of the fact that that element's taken out of it. Um and the, and the proximity of the fans to the players and, you know, things like that. And like you said, the, the motivation levels is, is a Anderson going to be able to perform better or not without the crowd? You know, it's really hard to say. So it's such an unknown. But what I think is important is our first game against Wolves. And I have actually been told when the fixtures are, but I've kind of respectfully not put them out yet because... Um, like, I don't, A, they're not 100% confirmed because they need to be confirmed by the chairman and stuff of the leagues and that. But also, they, um, you know, they they need to be um, kept kind of quiet for now. Um, but uh, it's it's um, it's important we get off to a win, definitely. Like, I think you've got to play well. I think we could beat Wolves, Tottenham, Chelsea on our day. I don't, I don't feel like we couldn't so we've got to get some results against them and um, hopefully that will sort of restore the confidence in the players and then we'll just kick on from there and I think you know, get three or four wins we should be okay yeah that's right and it's a big time for David Moyes as well Not well, yeah and the games come really thick and fast I mean you're like they're, mm. you're literally you're playing on say a Saturday then you've got a game on a Tuesday then a Saturday then a Wednesday then a Friday then a Monday you know they're coming really quickly so you've almost got to have that strong psychological edge as well so that if you do get beat or whatever then you can bounce back really quickly so what's your gut feeling then? Obviously, we've been speaking about the potential outcomes throughout the season, but then we've always had the next Saturday to, to see where we stand. And some time's passed now. I mean, with this given situation, I mean, if you're to make a call on it now at the end of the season, where do you think we're going to end up? As I say, it's so hard to predict, but I think mm. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with us just staying up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I probably place us where we are now, is my prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in other news, and I think we should talk about this, is the shortlisting for the FCA Awards. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a 
That was nice, you know, definitely for the the podcast, obviously we put in for that and um, mm. we're really, really pleased um, to get shortlisted for that and my one was a, a bit of a surprise. I've obviously <laughs> been, uh, been nominated, nominated by a few judges without, um, without realising because I didn't actually put out for a vote for my account so I could only be there because I've been nominated by someone so that's that's quite flattering as well even if it's just one person you know it's quite nice I don't know how many it is but yeah so the only thing is is that I've been nominated or shortlisted now for uh, this will be my fourth (laughs) fourth occasion the West Ham way has been shortlisted twice I think this is our second time as a podcast and never once have we won now I am I don't want to slag the awards off because obviously I have to be a little bit careful. But um, I think, you know, you and I have talked about it. I think there is a good way to win them, which you and I don't do. We'll put it that way. And so for us to win, we're going to have to really um, uh, get a lot of votes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know that sounds a bit cryptic. We probably shouldn't say, but maybe we should. I don't know. But essentially, it's... You know, some people that have won it in the past seem to have an affiliation with the sponsors of this event. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. that it's quite favourable if you do and me and X don't. So, you know, maybe we'll be proved wrong or maybe we're just not good enough to win it. Who knows? Time will tell. Yeah. But uh, what I will say is that we are up against some big guns in that podcast that are, are very well supported from other clubs. And, uh, you know, thanks to everyone that's that's voted for us to get us there. It really is massively appreciated. But the kind of real work starts now in terms of collecting votes for us to actually win it. And um, the way that you can do that, the quickest way you can do that is if you go to our pinned tweets on Twitter and then you just click the link and then you can vote for the podcast annex to, to see if we can have a crack at it. And I tell you what, wouldn't it be good to walk away with a win because it's, um, it's been held at um, Tottenham's ground, isn't it? So to walk away with a West Ham victory in that shit, I'll be lovely. <laughs> well, I think if we do win, either, if, you know, either award, I think you have to recreate your um, Harry Kane uh, <laughs> actually at the ground. And if we can, if we can find a way to get on that pitch and create Michel Antonio's <laughs> celebration <laughs> with the trophy in our hands, then, then we've got to do it. Even if it means we get chucked out, we've got to do it just for, just for that factor <laughs> yeah 100% yeah same old West Ham taking the piss we'll, we'll do yeah. something we've got it would be a missed opportunity if we get a trophy at that stadium and we don't make the most of it so 100% because like you say we'll be against in the podcast category against Liverpool Man United I think there is a Tottenham one in there and Arsenal one and like you said hosted at White Hart Lane or whatever they call it call it now I I, um, I think yeah it would be it would be nice for us to win just for like comedy and bragging rights and stuff but um, yeah yeah, it's, it's flattering to be nominated and thank you to everyone that sort of said nice things about us when voting because mm. you know like it you know we we without me sound like a cliche celebrity you know there's no point <laughs> doing these podcasts there's no one listens to them so mm. it's nice to know that people do and and that people appreciate them so uh yeah thank you to all the people that do spot on mate spot on Right, okay, that is the end of the show. Before we go, I have to tell you about a very special raffle that is taking place tonight, hosted by eBay. 500 Premier League players have each donated a match-worn shirt, including the West Ham squad, and this raffle starts tonight at 7pm, and it's going to end on the 14th of June. Tickets for this raffle are £5 each, and all proceeds will be donated to the NHS. The man who was instrumental in making this happen 
was our very own Mark Noble. So get behind a skipper, get behind a very worthy cause and try and win yourself a match-worn shirt in what will be the biggest raffle in football history. A big thank you to Jimmy Quinn for coming on. And as always, a big thank you to you guys for listening. Look after yourselves and until next week, come on you irons. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. GEICO presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking GEICO offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. GEICO offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more GEICO in your life, go to GEICO.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.